Welcome into another episode of the Motor City Bengals podcast. I'm Mike Zima, joined as always by Luke Sloan. Post trade deadline, Detroit Tigers now into August had the trade deadline on Wednesday, July 31st. So now Tigers looking a little bit different. We'll talk about the trade deadline, what we think of what the Tigers got in return for Shane Green and Nick Castellanos, and we'll talk about an interesting uh, report that came out earlier on this Sunday morning. But first, Luke, let's talk about the trade deadline. Tigers making two big moves on Wednesday, and we had to wait a while too. We were, I was getting nervous. We got to, we got to pass three o'clock on on Wednesday afternoon, and Avila, there were still no moves made for the Tigers, and we were starting to, starting to sweat a little. Then we got the Shane Green news, and then it was after 4 o'clock that we actually got the Nicholas Castellanos news as well. People saying that that deal got approved just like 30, obviously like 30 seconds before the trade deadline, you know, around then. So, you know, it was it was a bit of a whirlwind towards the end of that trade deadline on Wednesday, but Shane Green going to the Atlanta Braves for, Atlanta Braves for a couple of prospects, and Nicholas Castellanos going to the Chicago Cubs uh, for a couple of prospects as well. Luke, how did you feel on Wednesday you know, after you had when when you first saw those deals, what was your like immediate reaction that you had on Wednesday afternoon? Well, I wouldn't even talk about the immediate reaction before I talk about the build up. It started, I'd say, about forty eight hours out from the trade deadline, maybe hourly, maybe every couple hours. I would refresh Twitter, refresh the beat writers, mm-hmm. see if there was any kind of rumors going on. Because we had like the Trevor Bauer trade like, yep. the night before. Things so. started going down, things started to develop, and I kept refreshing and refreshing, and I'm like, all right, you know, I'm going to put my phone away, but by the next time I get it out, I hope something is starting to materialize, and it never happens, and it never happens. And then, of course, the Shane Green deal went down inside of 3 o'clock, and then at that point, there wasn't a thing being said about Castiano. So I thought he was going to be in a Detroit Tigers uniform for the remainder of the season. But then, they what did they say, 42 seconds? Yeah, I've heard, yeah I think it was like 40, 30 seconds before 4 o'clock Eastern time that it got done. I think my immediate reaction was I was just happy to see both of them dealt away. I was kind of... I don't know the word, the exact word to use. Disappointed, I guess, in the early returns on the players that got back. A lot of people saying these guys aren't super high upside guys, but only time will tell if this team can develop and bring these guys to the big leagues. And they, I mean, one of them's already in the big leagues, Travis Demerit. But only time will tell if these trades. Maybe maybe Alvila got some sleepers. I guess we'll have to trust him on that. But I guess I'm a little bit underwhelmed just because of all the names and. Matthew Boyd and all the big things that were thrown around before the deadline, I'd say I'm disappointed in what happened. Yeah, so you just mentioned Travis Demerit. So there was the kind of the talk in like the weeks before the trade deadline about Avila wanting to get like a young MLB ready or MLB young established MLB star in return, probably for Matt Boyd, who is like you just mentioned, still a Detroit Tiger. He started last night uh, against the Texas Rangers, but they got Travis Demerit as part of that trade um, from uh, for Shane Green um, to the Atlanta Braves. So they got Demerit from the Braves system, and he'd been having a pretty solid year in AAA um, in AAA so far in 2019. So they moved him. He's 24 years old. They figured, you know what? Why not? You know, it's August now. This season, there's no, you know, this season is already, you know, going down as a wash. So. Just try and get some of these new guys some experience. So bring the 24-year-old outfielder, Travis Demerit, into the big leagues right away. He had a triple in his major league debut against the Rangers in Texas on on Friday night. Um, right now, 
obviously he's played two games. Um, he's at five five major league at bats. He's hitting two hundred, and his only hit being that triple. He also has a run scored, and he has four walks so far as well um, in just two games. So he's he's definitely showing off. He's got an eye. He's you know a little more a little more willing to take pitches, a little more willing to battle in that batter's box than some of these young guys that the Tigers have experimented with. Um, during this rebuild to kind of come up and and are a little bit too eager, a little bit too aggressive right away. So Travis Demerit showing that he's got a little bit more, um, you know, he's not afraid to be a little bit more conscious in the batter's box and be a little more, um, you know, hesitant and take more pitches, which is not a bad thing at all. So the Tigers didn't get, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't call Travis Demerit obviously a young established star, but they got someone who they at least feel was MLB ready. And I think we'll probably see Demerit you know, getting his fair share of reps with the major league squad as we go down, go through August and September, the last months of this season. So, but other than that, you look at they got Joey Wentz also from Atlanta in that trade, and Joey Wentz is going to be mixed in with the Erie Seawolves in that starting rotation, and that's pretty interesting because that Erie starting rotation, you have Casey Mize, Matt Manning, and Tariq Skubal all down there as well. You know, kind of established stars in the Tigers farm system. Right now, the biggest, you know, kind of the biggest names you hear, um, you know, in the Tigers minor league system. It'll be interesting to see how Joey Wentz adjusts to that. That's one of the interesting things I'm looking forward to, to seeing. I mean, you think about that Erie Seawolves rotation led by Casey Mize, Matt Manning, Alex Fiedo, and then you go down the line, two lefties and Scooble and then Joey Wentz. I mean, I don't know how anybody is how I don't know how anybody's going to beat that team these next couple months, but. Wentz was the, the highest-ranked prospect they got in any of these two deals, the Castellanos deal and the Green deal. He he has a, a very concise, interesting delivery. He doesn't flash super above-average stuff, but people say good things about his curveball. They're going to give him every chance to develop at the same level as these other elite pitchers in the organization. I believe he's clocking in as the organization, the Tigers organization's number 10 prospect. He's got some potential. He's a lefty, which is interesting. You talk about these the top four or the top three guys all being righties. You know, you think of your Mize, your Manning, your Perez. All these guys are righties. Interesting that they're throwing a couple more lefties into the mix in terms of these starting pitching prospects. Yeah, so you look at Wentz. Uh, he's got a 4.72 ERA in uh, 20 starts with Atlanta's minor league, uh, Atlanta's Double A. Um, you know, Atlanta's Double A system. This year, um, in 2019, don't know when he's, uh, don't see anything about when he's scheduled to make his first start for the Erie Seawolves, but it would definitely be interesting, probably sometime, you know, coming up this week, you have to assume, um, probably so. It'll be interesting to see how he adjusts to that. Now we shift to the uh, the other deal the Tigers made. Obviously, we mentioned the, the very, very last second deal of Nicholas Castellanos getting sent to the Chicago Cubs in return for... Uh, two right-handed pitchers, Paul Reichan and Alex Lang. This deal was interesting because I, you know, when the Tigers, the Tigers obviously had the game on Wednesday afternoon uh, that started at four o'clock Eastern against um, against the Angels in Anaheim, and we, you know, you probably seen by now, Tigers fans, the images and the videos of Castellanos getting, you know, getting, you know, taking, getting pulled off the on deck circle back into the back into the clubhouse and then going in the dugout and hugging and saying his final goodbyes to his teammates. Now, it was interesting because a few hours before that, when the Tigers released the starting lineup for, you know, for Wednesday's game, Castellanos was, he's, was slated at uh, DH. And so it was interesting to me because it kind of signaled, you know, okay, well, 
It's trade deadline day. This guy's obviously on the trade block. They haven't dealt him yet. They have him in the starting lineup, but he's that designated hitter. Because if obviously if they didn't put him in the starting lineup, that probably would have been a dead giveaway. But putting him in at DH, that's obviously a very easily, quickly replaceable position. You can just throw any other guy on the bench you have, just throw him in the DH spot for the day. So that was an interesting, you know, interesting thing by the Tigers that happened a few hours before. Um, but you look at uh, Rai Chan and, uh, and Alex Lang, two right-handed pitchers. So three of the four prospects the Tigers acquired at deadline day, after so much talk about wanting to add offense to the farm system, they just added they added three more arms which was an interesting move by Alavila. I'm not quite sure what the whole thinking was on that one. Yeah, I think maybe my first impression, other than being underwhelmed, right when that 4 o'clock deadline hit, I mean, I was kind of swept away initially by the Zach Granke deal. That kind of threw me off there for a second. But when I was able to step back and think a little more, I thought three pitchers and a position player that wasn't ranked in the Atlanta Braves' top 30 was really... First, a disappointing initial return on those two trades. The green, the green, the green return is probably pretty underwhelming. Thinking about this Castellanos return, I would have liked to see them net a position player or two potentially, but they were able to net a couple top thirty prospects. Some people say they might have gotten a little more for him than some people thought initially. You know, of course, people were talking about us holding on to him potentially to try to get that qualifying offer and maybe net a, a, comp, a compensatory draft pick. But they did net a couple top 30 prospects. It's now just wait and see mode and see if they turned out to be anything special in the big leagues. Yeah, and now and now three, obviously, uh, you know, Demerit is is out of this conversation because he's not really a prospect anymore. He's in, you know, he's in the MLB on the Tigers' big league roster to start his career with Detroit, but those the three other guys, um, you know, Wentz, Raichan, and Lang, all now after the deadline ranked uh, in MLB Pipeline's list of top thirty Tigers prospects. Um, Wentz being the highest, he cracked at top ten at number ten. Um, Raichan being at number nineteen, and Lang at number twenty nine. So, um, you know, three of those guys, at least MLB Pipeline, you know, observing enough to be uh, observing as being deserving enough to be in the Tigers' top 30 prospects as of right now. But Raichan and Lang, both guys who I've seen some talk about it because they're both starting pitchers, and you got to think of how many, you know, if the Tigers have faith in you know, these guys to eventually one day make it to the major leagues, obviously, you know, you're going to have a surplus of starters. So both Lang and Raichan, I think, could have the possibility of the Tigers as they move along in the farm system, the Tigers organization molding them more into bullpen guys, which would also be which would be interesting to see. Pitching depth is definitely going to be a priority. I mean, you think of all these guys as starters, but if two or three of them were to end up not succeeding as starters and, and going to the bullpen and contributing, that would also be important for this team. Pitching depth overall will be important. I mean, they're not all these guys. Chances are aren't going to turn out to be starters. Some of them might fail, have to be moved on from. Some of them might go to the bullpen, but it's just good to know that they have a surplus of arms with some upside. Some of them don't have as much upside, but maybe have better control than others. But it's good to know that they have lots of depth because, you know, they play in a big ballpark, Comerica Park. Everyone knows the Castellanos comments that he made, obviously now before he was traded. But this is a team that's clearly, if we, I mean, we knew this before the deadline, but building around its pitching in its big ballpark, and 
Alvila always says, everyone around the team always says you can't have enough pitching. I mean, I think that's something everyone agrees on in baseball. But this team, I think they've got enough pitching now. I'd like to yeah. see... I'd like to see this team find a creative way to go out and acquire young hitting talent, maybe a prospect for prospect trade, which Al Avila didn't rule out at just after the deadline. You saw the Miami Marlins and Arizona Diamondbacks pull off a trade of that nature, but it just still concerns me that we don't have that premier hitting prospect. I mean, we have this team has Riley Green now, so I Riley suppose Green I should, could very well turn into like that guy. You know the Tiger system doesn't really have that guy who you can come in and uh, you know who you know is a prospect who you really look at and say okay that guy is you know the hitter of the future he's going to be the offensive part of this team yeah you know, like I said maybe Riley Green could turn into that but he's you know still 18 just got drafted and he's in low A ball you know you never you never know I suppose so, they do have the first overall well we think they're going to have the first overall yes we think they're going to the first draft that should be a hitter yeah we, we sh- it should be I think uh, I've seen a few things where there's a few. Uh, I think first base candidates that could be um, could be high up on the list for possibly a top draft pick next year, but we'll we'll see about that. and We'll talk about that at a later date. But yeah, anyway, um, you know, you look at like a guy like Paul Reichan came over from the Cubs in that deal. He played a he played uh, I think I believe three seasons of college baseball. But he's 21. He's still in single A, and so you got to you know you got to think about it. yeah. He played three seasons at University of San Diego. Now he's 22, uh, and then uh, still in single A. So maybe the Tigers could look at it and say, well, you know, Paul, you're, you're a decent starting pitcher, but we think that we can speed up your development by having you move to the bullpen. It'll just be interesting to see how they make all those moves um, with so many uh, with so many guys, uh, so many pitching prospects to try and work it around so that they have, like you mentioned, more depth, which is uh, very important. Anyway, we'll move on to... The bigger news of today, this Sunday, uh, we got some. We got a treat this Sunday morning of a big headline that kind of makes you. It, it really pops out at you when you just read the headline. It's from Anthony Fenich of the Detroit Free Press. And the headline is MLB front offices expose Detroit Tigers trade deadline mistakes, and it's an interesting article. You can go read it on Freep.com. Um, but Anthony Fenich, the Tigers reporter for the Free Press, talking about uh, uh, report a report. And you know, reporting that potentially in 2017, the Tigers turned down two trades, two trade deadline deals in 2017 for Michael Fulmer, one that would have gotten them sent Fulmer to the Cubs for Javier Baez in return, and another would have uh, went with the Astros, and in return the Tigers would have gotten Alex Bregman. When you hear those names, Baez and Bregman, obviously both All Stars this year. Guys who have really broken out as two of the biggest young stars in all of baseball. So, Luke, what was kind of your thoughts and your reaction when you were reading this? And, you know, do you think it's, you know, first of all, do you think it's true? Do you think that this could have possibly happened? And, you know, we're going to go with right now that it did. And what were your thoughts that Al Avila looked like missed, looks like he missed out on these opportunities? There's really a lot to break down with this report. I slept in to a you know, a pretty late hour this morning. And, it's a and Sunday then, morning. And then woke up to, to come do the podcast a couple towns over, but I woke up to a text message from you saying, we need to talk about this on the podcast today. And I, of course, I hadn't seen this headline yet because I the alarm just rang and I woke up. And it's the first thing I read this morning when I woke up and seeing names like Javier Baez and Alex Bregman, who are cornerstones of teams that look to contend for the World Series this year, 
really kind of lit a fire under me. I've never been a big Alavila guy. Early, early in his tenure as Detroit Tigers general, general manager, he whiffed signing guys like Jordan Zimmerman, Mark Lowe, a, 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 you know, giving all that money to, to a Justin Upton. His situation didn't really work out. He was only here for two seasons. And one of my biggest gripes about Al Avila is that he was not able to net anything for Michael Fulmer when this rebuild was starting to begin. I guess and everyone, everyone and him initially thought, okay, maybe this is going to be the cornerstone guy in the starting rotation. But in a full teardown rebuild, you have to go and take his years of control and talent and flip that into a prospect return. And these two were more of prospects at the time. The team knew about Michael Fulmer's injury history at the time when they could have pulled off a trade. It would have been smart if they got out ahead of that. Obviously, he had to undergo Tommy John surgery many months ago. But my initial thought is that this was one of my biggest concerns with Al Avila. Seeing names like this that could have potentially come and play for this team makes me really angry. This team needs impact hitters, needs these five-tool type players that can be impact guys when this team contends next but you mentioned about the report maybe there isn't as much substance to it as we think i'll read you i'll read you anthony is a guy that's covered the team for many years and and it's quite credible Mm -hmm. and it seems like he really wanted to dig into this topic so really i i would i trust this report i trust his reporting i think it's an excellent article i recommend everyone to go read it and and take it in so if any of our listeners haven't read it i'll read kind of, you know, with the biggest, the biggest statement in this since, uh, you know, finished writing that according to multiple persons with knowledge of the talks, the, uh, this is for the 2017, around the 2017 trade deadline, according to multiple persons with knowledge of the talks, the Cubs offered shortstop Javier Baez as a part of a three-player package, and the Astros offered third baseman Alex Bregman for both Fulmer and lefty reliever Justin Wilson. So, obviously, those two you mentioned Javier Baez and Alex Bregman, two of the biggest names, biggest uh, you know, biggest names in baseball right now. Both All Stars uh, this year, both All Stars in 2018 and 2019 actually. Um, and Baez finished second in NL MVP voting last year as well. But you look at Michael Fulmer. He this, so this would be 2017. Michael Fulmer was coming off winning 2016 um, American League Rookie of the Year. Uh, he was all-star in 2017 for the Tigers. He was only 24 years old at the time. And right now, we obviously know that Michael Fulmer out for all of 2019 with Tommy John surgery. And this was 2017. This was the same summer that, obviously, it was a bit after the trade deadline, back when people, uh, teams could do trades after the deadline. So, Alavila probably knew that he was getting rid of Justin Verlander at this you know, at this trade deadline, into, or at, uh, at, at this summer in 2017. So I kind of, I understand a bit, if, if these reports are true, I understand a bit of what Avila was probably thinking at the time was, well, we're going to be going through a rebuild. Michael Fulmer's 24 years old, pretty young. He's an all-star, rookie of the year. If we're giving away Justin Verlander, our big ace, one of the best, one of the best and biggest aces in the game, if we're going to be dealing him away and really plunging this thing into rebuild mode, Yes, we know Fulmer has had some issues with injury, but Fulmer can be that guy who, you know, steps in for for 
Verlander and becomes the number one in the rotation, and it hasn't quite worked out that way, but hindsight's always twenty twenty. If you look at it from the 2017 perspective, where he's just coming off a rookie of the year season, he had an all-star season that year, I can understand a bit of why you would be hesitant to make a deal, including this pitcher who you think is going to be your ace of the future as you're building for the future and looking to get rid of your ace right now. So that's the one perspective of that that I see. And you can almost compare this to the Matthew Boyd situation right now, but you look at the fact that Matthew Boyd right now is 28 as to where back in this situation Michael Fulmer was only 24. So there is that difference. But that's the perspective if we're looking at it from, from that viewpoint where I can see why Avila would maybe have been hesitant to send Michael Fulmer somewhere else. It's really interesting when you think about all the different angles with, with Michael Fulmer's situation, his age, his, his meaning to the team at this point, you know, them getting him from the New York Mets for Cespedes. He was, you know, a rookie of the year, an all-star. He was someone that was going to command a high price. But really, just kind of backing up and looking at the situation as a whole and kind of comparing it to what's going on right now with, with our current trade deadline and, and relating this to the bigger picture, which is also done in the article, I I don't trust and I doubt Alavila's ability as a guy who is a deal-maker You've seen a lot of rebuilds like the one of the Chicago White Sox in the same division as, of course, the Detroit Tigers. They've gone out there and swindled the Washington Nationals into getting them uh, Ronaldo Lopez and what's that, Lucas Giolito for Adam Eaton. They go out there and trade with the, the Chicago Cubs in the same town as them, and they get, man, I'm really, they get, uh, from, they, they trade Jose Quintana there. And in return, they get uh, Eloy Jimenez, who we know how he's doing so far in the big leagues, uh, a guy who's going to be a cornerstone for them. Alavila doesn't have the the nature of a deal maker. He doesn't go out there and take risks. He hasn't been able... I know the, the market has changed since these White Sox deals have gone down. Really jealous of the Chicago White Sox if they got out ahead of us and made these trades before the market and the baseball world kind of developed into the way it is right now where no one wants to give up prospects, but he should have pulled the trigger. I mean, there was, there was no way of seeing what's going on right now coming back in 2016, 2017, but in baseball, you can't take anything for granted when it comes to guys, when it comes to the future of markets. I would, I'd like to see him be more of an aggressive deal maker Maybe I would have liked to see him be an aggressive deal maker with Matthew Boyd. You know, there's there's some comments in the article too about their handling of Matthew Boyd and what some league executives said about what they wanted to get in return for Boyd. We can go into that conversation too, but really when it comes down to it, I don't trust Alavila to make the deals where he that he wins to to quote unquote swindle people for players. He just doesn't come across to me as a guy that's really a deal maker. Yeah, and you look at, you know, there was the reports in the last month or so before the trade deadline of Avila wanting, you know, King's Ransom for, you know, for Matthew Boyd and, and really setting a high price for the Tigers for at least Matthew Boyd and Shane Green. I think he did settle a bit in return for Shane Green. And you look at the market where the Yankees didn't pick up a starting pitcher. The Astros looked like they weren't, but then we learned that they were getting Zach Greinke. And so you look at teams that wanted starting pitching through the Dodgers too, didn't really make, didn't do anything, didn't make any moves as well at the deadline. So you just got to wonder, you know, what that market was looking like for Matthew Boyd at the trade deadline. But yeah, I think that Avila could have been really 
could have tried to still be more aggressive and maybe settle a bit when it comes to a Matthew Boyd trade, but still gotten probably a decent return for him if you convince the Yankees or you know a team like that enough that he was worthy of a deal. So I kind of agree with you. I just don't think Avila has the the makings of a big of a big deal maker and a, you know to make these big time trades to you know make huge moves and maybe you know he's yeah he's drafted he's drafted pretty well in his time as Tigers GM and he's gotten the Tigers farm system you know up to a, to a decent level you know it's kind of there's different perspectives on just how good the farm system and the prospects really are but he's gotten some some good prospect names and guys that have really helped develop but he's taking it very slow we're looking at if you look at it from the perspective that this rebuild really fully started in 2017 we you know, 2017 year when they traded uh, JD Martinez and Justin Verlander if you look at that as the real starting point of when this rebuild went from like yes they're you know kind of doing a soft rebuild to okay we're going a hard rebuild we're tanking we're going all the way down it's going full rebuild mode we had 2017 things you know you know obviously didn't work out you know 2017 ended up getting you got the 2018 first overall pick with Casey Mize 2017 Verlander deal 2017 Verlander deal um Osmus was fired Osmus that's when fired. things really yeah. seemed to materialize so we're looking at kind of year three right now of the Tigers being in full-on hard rebuild tank mode and I think people are getting anxious in Detroit and I think people uh, including myself at times I get pretty anxious of there's, uh, you know, the, we're in year three of hard rebuild mode. This is probably the worst, hopefully, the worst we're going to see of this team in full rebuild mode right now. But there's no, you know, there's no looking. I don't look into the future and say, okay, you know, we're we're one, two years away from getting back up into not necessarily contention, but getting back up into not being the absolute worst team in the league. I mean, just kind of continuing to speak on this report and really the state of the team and how much we trust Al Avila, like you're, like you're talking about right now. Like, I mean, a couple of other things tossed in here, just little tidbits. You know, we were joking about how they wanted a Kyle Tucker or a Glaber Torres and a Matthew Boyd deal. We We didn't really think too much of it, but in this report, it's indicating that some executives are saying that the Tigers and Al Avila were extremely hard to work with in trades and acting like it was a joke that they were asking for these guys. I don't like that in terms of trusting him as a negotiator. And also, the PR nightmare that was the Nick Castellanos situation last winter, Al Avila indicating that there was no interest in him, really dogging him and the situation, promising him to being traded multiple times at multiple deadlines and in the winter. But really kind of putting a cap on this report and looking at the situation as a whole. And people thought there was heat on Alavila after yet another disappointing trade deadline, and then this report comes out. Detroit Tigers fans are really turning on their general manager and the guy that's in charge of this rebuild. They're making comparisons to other times in Detroit Tigers history when the team was going through a situation like they are right now. But the heat is really on. People don't trust him as a dealmaker. People are, don't trust the guys he's getting in return for deals. It's a really interesting time in the franchise where there is a lot pitted on this rebuild. If it doesn't go to plan and these guys don't 
turn out to be future stars. I mean, obviously looking at the end of Alavila and Detroit, but this team will be once again stuck in a place where they'd have to try to rebuild again. I mean, that's a nightmare situation. I don't, I don't want, even want to think about that. Yeah, well, again, only time will tell. That'll do it for this episode of the Motor City Bengals podcast. Um, Tigers into August. The rebuild's still going. Young guys coming up. We'll see how they do. At least that'll make August a little bit interesting. We're gonna see. We're gonna see more Travis Demare. We're seeing more Jake Rogers. We might get to see the likes of people like Daz Cameron or pitchers like uh, Kyle Bunkhauser coming up and and showing their stuff in the major leagues. So at least we'll get that and see if those guys, like you mentioned, have the makings of being future big league stars. For Luke Sloan, I'm Mike Zima. We'll see you guys next time on the Motor City Bengals podcast.